Welcome to the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast, a weekly look into the world of Royal Caribbean Cruising. I'm your host, Matt Hotchberg, and this is episode number 415. While I've gone on a few Royal Caribbean cruises so far, there are a few other ships sailing as well, and so this week I wanted to compare notes with how the restart looks and feels on other lines. Here we go. Having been on a cruise, a couple cruises actually so far, obviously Royal Caribbean is not the only game in town uh and and to kind of talk about what cruising is like because a lot of people really are still trying to wrap their minds around what is it like to go on a cruise i wanted to reach out to somebody who i think you might have actually more nights on a cruise than i have right now uh since they've restarted in the u.s and yes i say that with extreme jealousy and that is billy hirsch from cruisehabit.com billy welcome back to the welcoming blog podcast Thank you so much for having me. And uh, I've just decided based on that, as we talk today, I will be booking another cruise. I want to make sure I stay on top. It's it's not a competition, Matt. It's not a competition, but I intend to win. <laughs> it's uh, with extreme malice. I invite Billy onto this podcast to talk about <laughs> what it's like to be on a cruise, because, you know, I think a lot of people are, you know, in the, in the process of, of booking cruises again, Billy, or they're, or they have cruises booked for perhaps this fall. And, you know, I, I think the overwhelming sentiment, I'm sure you've seen this as well on your end, is just like, what's it like? Like, how do you, you know, what people are trying to wrap their minds around what that whole experience is like now, how different or not different is it than what they remember? And so on this week's episode, I wanted to talk to you because, Billy, you've been on, well, I don't know, I lost track of the amount of sailings you've been on, but you've been on at least two celeb- two different celebrity cruise ships. Is that right? Yeah, uh, two ships, three sailings. I did a week on Celebrity Millennium, the very first um, North American sailing, then the very first sailing out of Florida on Edge, and then I stayed on the next week for the next itinerary on Edge. So let's talk about, actually, I want to talk about Millennium for a second, because that required you to fly to St. Martin, and I flew to Nassau, Bahamas, for my cruise, first cruise as well. And comparing and contrasting that experience to going out of South Florida, you know, obviously there's benefits and, and disadvantages to both. I think the thing that, uh, I loved about going flying to the destination was once you got there, it was uh, number one, it's a little more exotic locale, obviously, when you're when you're departing, you got a little pre-cruise stay. That's always a nice addition as well. But the rules were different sailing out of the U.S. compared to sailing from the U.S. And uh, your experience is a little bit different than mine because of celebrities rules out of the U.S. But nonetheless, um, I found the experience really interesting and, and, and a lot of uh, a very positive experience sailing out of the US. What was your, how would you compare and contrast sailing out of the US versus sailing out of St. Martin? Well, th- there were a couple elements of it. One, and I think uh, this first part is true for both of us. It was a little weird just sailing a Caribbean cruise that I had to fly to. Yes. I- I'm used to flying to get on a cruise ship, but it's not usually like there's, there aren't steel drums usually, you know, on that cruise because right. <laughs> um, we both live in Florida. So we're, we're, we're very fortunate in that way. Um, that said, I actually liked the part where I flew to the cruise. As you said, you got there, you're someplace different, right? Um, in a weird way, it kind of doesn't matter if it's exotic or not, right? Could, could have been at like the, some holiday in inland. Uh, and you would have been like, whatever, I'm not at home. Vacation has started. And that part was great. I loved it. The fact that uh, in my case, I spent several days in St. Martin beforehand and it was absolutely gorgeous, stayed right on the beach, like opened the window in the morning and there was Great Bay Beach. That just made it fantastic. I will say coming back, however, <laughs> you had the opposite. Um, as soon as you step off the ship, you're like, well, vacation's over and I still have a flight to catch. Mm. Yeah, flying back 
flying home is is no fun thing at all. It's so much easier to simply do that half awake drive back to your house than it is to fly back. I do agree about that, you know. Um, it, but for me, and this is what something I learned about doing staycations during the pandemic was like, you know, we do these, you know, we book these, uh, you know, vacation homes and whatnot. And they were fun, but there's something mentally like there's there's this like that's not a disconnect, but there's this thing that happens in your brain. I feel like when you fly or go on a cruise versus yep. when you just stay in your area, but you're somewhere and that's not your house. Like it truly feels like vacation in a sense. When yeah. You get mean, that kind of, that, that kind of opportunity to get out there. Yeah. I think it's partially that you remove uh, some of the opportunities for um, negative distraction because some distractions are good distractions. Uh, it's also, you know, there, there's that thing that, that clicks in your brain, like when you walk through a doorway, right. And that's why you walk in a room and you're like, oh man, why did I just walk in here? And that's, you know, your, your brain, as you enter different spaces, it kind of um, compartmentalizes experiences. So um, yeah, when you get on a plane, it's uh, you you've stepped into that compartment. And in that way, you know, flying was uh, was an, an added benefit. Now, that in mind, for the flights that we're talking about, um, while we were definitely flying there for you and I, at least they're, they're not long flights. And, you know, for, for many people in, in the U.S. So it's uh, it's not quite uh, like, oh, good. So you get that feeling a little bit earlier, but you're on a plane for nine hours. Yeah, it was nothing. It wasn't uh, wasn't like um, our Caribbean cruise was sailing out of Piraeus. <laughs> Right, right, right. So, uh, you know, speaking of, I, I kind of alluded to the fact that celebrity is doing things a little bit different than Royal Caribbean. Talk to us about the experience on Celebrity, and uh, the the I think probably the when we re- what I'm really asking you is essentially to go over the mask and vaccine requirements because they are different. Um, even though Royal yep. Caribbean and Celebrity are both owned by the same corporate uh, entity, they are definitely operating in dissimilar yet not that different uh mechanisms in terms of their approach to cruising's return um what what should what's basically the the experience right now on celebrity so i'll tell you it's slightly each of the three sailings that were slightly different and uh in the next um 57 minutes i'll explain why uh make this uh quick so millennium because millennium was sailing out of uh, saint martin none of the requirements really had anything to do with the CDC, at least in terms of hard requirements, right? Um, They may have been informed by some of those findings. Uh, The line may have been practicing somewhat because this was before any U.S. sailings had begun. Um, But it was kind of up to the government in St. Martin, the ports were visiting, and celebrity cruises. Now, that sailing was um, 100% vaccinated for anyone that could be vaccinated. So anyone except for kids was required to show proof of vaccination. So once you were on board, um, that meant there were no masks, there was no social distancing or anything like that. Um, the, the, you know, the, there were literally, I think, uh, oh, I'd have to go back to some of my videos. I think there were five kids. That's what I ended up finding out. Wow. So, so um, I think technically those kids were supposed to wear masks uh, while not outside. I don't know that I ever saw them inside. <laughs> Um, so I can't really speak to that. Um, but really once you're on board, it was a, uh, complete, we'll say pre COVID experience. The only thing that you noticed was that the crew was wearing masks that first week, but in fact, the second week I wasn't on that second sailing, they, the crew wasn't even, uh, wearing masks. Uh, there were social distancing signs up. Um, but I'm quite confident those social distancing signs, much like the celebrity branded masks were ordered like nine months ago and had been sitting in boxes <laughs> and, or, or maybe in the case of the signs, they'd been put up nine months ago and, you know, uh, 
in fact, on edge, they were even removed during one of the cruises. <laughs> so, <clears throat> so on that one, it was really, um, there were no masks. There was no social distancing other than again, the crew, it felt completely normal because everyone that could be vaccinated had to be now on edge on that first sailing, um, without getting too far into the weeds, that first sailing left on June, was it 26th? I think it was, which was before the uh, rule in Florida kicked in that said that lines couldn't require proof of vaccine in order to, uh, to, to board. So that one was, uh, I believe also everyone was vaccinated. Now there, there may have been, there may have been two people that they initially were going to let on that weren't, but then I think those two people said, Hey, we're going to have a better experience if we just wait until we hit our 14 days. Cause they already had been vaccinated. They just weren't there yet. Uh, so, so they sailed later. Um, kids, obviously, you know, some were simply too young to be vaccinated, but because they maintained, I think it ended up being 99% vaccine rates. Uh, again, no masks. There were social distancing signs, but, um, I think they, they ended up going away, uh, four or five days into the cruise right after I recorded another podcast actually with our friend Doug and, uh, talked about the signs I got onto an elevator and they're gone. Um, <laughs> and then that second week on edge, um, that indeed there were, there were some more people, there were a handful of adults that were not fully vaccinated. Those people indeed had to wear masks but the, uh, but guests did not. So in all of my cases for, for, for the purposes of categorizing them, they were vaccinated sailings, right? The people not wearing masks were exceptions to the rule, um, and were, uh, represented, you know, one or maybe 2% of the complete, uh, population of the ship between guests and crew. But, you know, what's interesting is while we, your experience obviously went on all uh, we'll call it fully vaccinated sailings for lack of a, you know, back lack of a better word. Um, we both experienced though, wearing masks in port in certain ports. Uh, I did it in Cozumel and I believe you had to wear a mask in Barbados. Was that right? Yeah. So on, um, on millennium, we visited, uh, Barbados, uh, Aruba and Curacao. And technically we're supposed to wear masks everywhere there. Um, Barbados was particularly strict. Um, and I don't know if you want to discuss this later, but Barbados, you actually had to take a shore excursion through celebrity. Um, that was a requirement of the Bar Barbudan government. I think that's the demonym. Mm -hmm. uh, and you also had to take a COVID test, which they just arranged. It was the first port of call. So they arranged it before the cruise even left for entry. They were much more strict there. Aruba and Curacao, technically masks were required when you were indoors or not social distancing. However, their vaccine rates uh, were then higher than the U.S. and are even higher now than they were. That I mean, can't really go the opposite direction, right? Let's say like a major baby boom suddenly. Um, right. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so things there were definitely a lot more lax. Um, I'm sure it varies by, you know, what business and if you went to a, a hospital or a school, things might be different. But yeah to say that masks were required in a room in Curacao would be maybe not completely accurate. Okay. And that's fair. We'll use just Barbados as the example here, because, you know, I wore it, the mask in, in Cozumel where it was required. We could do whatever we wanted. We weren't, we weren't bound by cruise line excursions, 
but the rule was you still had to wear it, and that meant outdoors. And uh, you've been to Cozumel many times, I'm sure, like Barbados this time of year. It's a little warm down there. It's a little humid <laughs> down there. And, you know, in, I've, I don't have the it's not the end of the world for me to have to wear a mask if it means going on a cruise after 15 months. Right. I am more than willing to do that. <laughs> I, I, I would have worn like a, a diving bell, you know, <laughs> like, <laughs> just tell me what the rules are. I'm ready. <laughs> the, the question I have for you now, Billy, is you've been on a cruise. You've been on a couple of cruises. You've been in Barbados. If you were to go back tomorrow, if, if I were to go back to Cozumel tomorrow, would you... It was it kind of like I don't want to call it one and done, but like you know, is is wearing the mask off the ship in these places outdoors specifically because any all things are possible with air conditioning, as you know, Billy. We we both subscribe <laughs> to that theory, but but outdoors is this something like you would want to do again? Like would you be willing to do that again, or might you say, you know, I think I'm going to stay on board the ship and treat this like a sea day until the rules change a little bit and then it's a little more agreeable. It's a great question, and for me, I wouldn't be hesitant about. Um, getting off in a port where uh, where that was the case again. However, it might inform the type of excursion that I chose. So I'll go with Mexico um, as an example here. Let's say, and we could have a whole podcast all about whether or not you should take a an excursion to Tulum uh, if you're docking in Cozumel. Lovely place, by the way. Long trip from Cozumel. Um, <laughs> I probably would not do something like that. Um, or even if it was, you know, just something right on the island where I knew I was going to be walking around around other people and have to wear the mask. Now, um, you know, not like a situation where like, oh, yeah, there's this beach area and you don't have to wear a mask while you're on the beach as long as you're in a chair and away from other people. Right. I wouldn't want to be in a situation where I'm walking around. It's 92 degrees and maybe a little humid and it's just on the entire time. So um, that's what it is. It would just inform the type of excursion that I, that I took. Yep. And, and that's you, you, your, your point is well taken because that's exactly what we did on our second visit to Cozumel. The first time we went downtown, wore the mask all around outside. I was like, this is not that enjoyable. And the next time we basically only had to wear the mask while we were going, you know, off the ship to the taxi. And then once we got to paradise beach, we, the, they actually told us you don't wear your mask anymore. And then we were able to, you know, enjoy the rest of the day there. So that was much more agreeable. So yeah, I, th I think you're right. I think it's about kind of curtailing your, um, your 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 short excursion uh, choices to match or better uh, work with kind of what the requirements are, what the protocols are, so it's a little more enjoyable all around. Yeah, it's, and that does mean that if you're taking a cruise because there is some very specific excursion or experience you want, keep that in mind for two reasons. One, that experience may not be as enjoyable depending on masks or other, or other requirements, restrictions, or maybe it was a, an excursion that had some really great lunch plan, but they changed to like a bag lunch, you know, and then, mm. you know, temporarily something like that. Yep. Um, but that's also because even if you're okay with what the rules and restrictions are now, they could change. Uh, so in fact, you went to Paradise Beach in Cozumel and I was in Cozumel, I think five days later on edge. And celebrity, and this was interesting because this actually wasn't a requirement of the government of Mexico. It was something last minute celebrity did. They were like, mm, yeah, actually, you're going to need to take an excursion in, in Cozumel if you want to get off the ship. That's right. Yeah. And the way that we found that out was that we had a, a letter sent to our stateroom two nights before. And it was only two nights because the day before we were in Costa Maya, also in Mexico, where that rule applied, though they did some other things there to make it a little easier for us. Um, so whenever you're listening to this podcast, even if you're listening to this um, 
I'm going to say Wednesdays when you put out podcasts. I should know. I'm, I'm not a very good friend. Um, <laughs> That's a good guess. <laughs> it's a good guess. I had a one in seven shot. Um, <laughs> so even if you're looking, listening to this on Wednesday, right after we record this, still check with your, uh, your travel advisor um, or, or the, you know, whoever's organizing your travel to make sure that this is still the case. Cause I wouldn't want anyone listening to this and go, geez, that's really great advice. I'm going to shape what I'm doing in this particular port, or I'm going to take this cruise based on the restrictions or lack of restrictions in this particular port and find out that they've changed. Absolutely. Yeah. What's what everything that you're reading, hearing, and seeing right now with cruises, if you have a cruise coming up in a couple months, next year, uh, th this experience is going to be, I don't want to say it's useless. It's not, this is highly important and helpful stuff. That's going to that, shape that you should your life. share with all of your friends and listen to <laughs> yeah. multiple times. However, it may not be exactly the experience you will have on your particular sailing. So just keep that in mind. I wanted to actually ask you, though, Billy, about something, because, of course, like me, you uh, follow what's happening in the cruise industry. You uh, you constantly are pulling, dragging down your Twitter feed to see it reload, to see what else is new. And, you know, having been on Celebrity, I'm sure you've seen and, and read different articles and, and, and takes on other cruise lines that have restarted, whether it's Royal, whether it's Carnival, um, what has been, is there anything that's really stood out to you that you've read about other lines that strikes you as interesting, unique, different than what you experienced like on Carnival? Uh, or I'm sorry, on Celebrity. Uh, the case of point, like if I were asking this question to myself, I might say, oh, of course on Celebrity, you're you in out of Florida, you know, the whole 95% vaccinated rule versus of Royal Caribbean on Freedom of the Seas. That wasn't the case. So are there things that you're seeing elsewhere that are being done differently or kind of stood out to you, um, you know, looking outside over the fence, so to speak? Sure. I'll, I'll give you two examples. One of them actually being with Royal Caribbean. That's where where a celebrity has committed to um, outside of Florida, 100 percent vaccine rates for all who can be vaccinated inside of Florida, keeping all sailings 95 percent plus vaccinated. Um Royal Caribbean has is doing that, and, and keep me honest here, Matt, with some ships, but other ships they are running simulated voyages on and sailing with uh, under 95% uh, vaccine rates, which is understandable because Royal caters to many more people that are traveling with kids and kids can't get vaccinated. So that's going to be more challenging. So, so that's one thing is that, you know, in, in my head, just from, from the you know, 21 nights so far that have been back to cruising, they've, uh, this entire line has been running these sailings where, you know what, when you're on the ship, if you're fully vaccinated, everything's pretty much normal, but that doesn't just vary by line that varies by on other lines that varies even by ship. Um, including including Royal. And I'm sure you can rattle off which ships have which uh, status and are, are going to be running test cruises next. I know Odyssey, I think Odyssey is running a test cruise like today, maybe, yep. or soon. Um, so, so that's one thing is just that not only do different lines have different policies, but different uh, or, or ways of handling things, but even different ships. Uh, the other is the way that um, different lines are bringing different experiences back. So, Carnival um, did something that I think a lot of people are being critical for, and, and they, they can absolutely be critical of that. I don't really have much an issue with it, despite my preference. And that is that, um, well, the cruises that you were on, the cruises that I've been on, and many others are at, at the buffet areas, you don't serve yourself. The crew is serving you um, so that you're not, so the guests aren't touching utensils and can't possibly put things back. Um, 
check the temperature of the uh, of the paella with their thumb, etc. Um, <laughs> and and by the way, I'm all for that. Celebrities actually going to be keeping that uh, moving forward, which puts them in line with a number of other lines that are doing that. Um, Carnival said that their buffets are going to operate as they did before. And unless I've missed something, that's the way that they've been doing it on the last couple of uh, sailings that they've operated. Um, some are critical of that. While I prefer it be the other way, it really has nothing to do with COVID because we've learned that you know, that's probably on the um, pretty far down on the list of concerns uh, as far as COVID goes. But that is something very different when you see almost everyone else in the industry. And I think we're going to find more of those things because right now we only have a couple lines that are sailing, a couple major lines that are sailing. In the next month and a half, we're going to have MSC, we're going to have Han America, Princess, um, Oceana, uh, NCL. And and we will find that there are going to be these other little things that might also vary by ship. Yep. Uh, and it's it's going to make um, it's going to continue to make it so that when Matt and I write something, we know that uh, eight hours later it's out of date, and that's a great <laughs> feeling. <laughs> Let me ask you this, Billy. Uh, it, we're basically halfway through the year, right? It's uh, mid to late July. So uh, if I remember correctly, this is the halfway point in the calendar, and um, you know. Looking back at it, compared to what your thoughts were in January, are we better than about what about what you expected, or worse than you expected uh, compared to January, um, where compared where we are right now? I hope that makes sense. In terms of the in um, terms of cruise, cruise restart process, sorry. Oh, um, Golly, that's a good question. You know what? I, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it about where I thought because while I obviously hoped, and I think many of us thought at different points um, that things were going to restart earlier. You know, right now we don't have in numbers a ton of ships sailing, though a lot of them in the next month and a half, as I mentioned, mm-hmm. that's gonna will ramp things up significantly by then. The cruise experience is especially on those 95% plus vaccinated sailings, and I think even on those sailings for ships that have um, run simulated voyages are the, the guest experience there is a lot better than, than I thought it would be. Um, I wouldn't, if, if you asked me in January, uh, you know, how many ships are going to be sailing in mid July? I might've thought there were more ships. What is that going to be like on those ships? I would have imagined a much more restricted experience. Mm. Again, an experience I would have happily enjoyed diving yep. bell, Tyvek suit, whatever, it's fine. Um, <laughs> but uh, so, so in that way, I guess it's it, it's a wash. And for those of us enjoying um, and looking to enjoy the ships that are sailing at this point, in that way, I think it's a positive thing. Yeah, you know, I, I think I would have said uh, it's better than because better than what we expected. Because I remember there was a report that came out, gosh, February, I want to say. It came out like when the vaccines were first starting to roll out. And it was uh, Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who's uh, one of the co-chairs of the Healthy Sail Panel that Royal Caribbean Group and, and Norwegian Cruise Line Holdings set up. And I remember him saying, Dr. Gottlieb said that by, uh, I forget if it was April or May, I think it was a- late April, he predicted that supply of the vaccine would outpace demand. And I thought that was, that was lunacy. I was like, what planet is this dude from? And you know what? Almost exactly, I think he might have been off by like a week, maybe first week of May it really, that exactly is what happened. Like we started seeing like, you know, all of a sudden signs would actually start popping up like, Hey, the vaccine is in stock here. 
And um, it, it is in compared to where we were in January, compared to where we are now. I mean, so many things have moved forward. We have the the vaccine roll, but of course, also the CDC has come a huge way. Um, it, you know, it wasn't too long ago that you know they, there were no test cruises approved. We didn't even have the protocols. We didn't even have the, yep. the phases of what the CDC had outlined for the restart. And so things have come a long way in that regard. So I think we're, you know, on the one hand, we're better, I think, than maybe I would have anticipated. I certainly would have hoped, and you mentioned that earlier, like, you know, you would thought maybe more ships would have been back in service by now. But um, it's like, I, I think if there, if I were to have drawn a line graph, I would have had this nice gradual curve, you know, going up, like almost like, you know, you, you the the optimal stock market thing where that line goes like that, I got yep. a 90 at a 45 degree angle to the right. Whereas what really ended up happening was more of a bell curve, right? Where it went or reverse bell curve where it was like flat, 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 and then straight up to, yeah. to the, to the top really, really quick. So, you know, it's, it's good news, bad news, but overall, I think we're better off than I think I had anticipated uh, maybe back in January. Yeah. And it's going to look even more like that inverted bell. Um, I, I keep saying it, but in a month and a half, because we're going to have so much more, so much more. Um, the, the, the fact that uh, I, I think what, what makes me feel good about where we are, not in numbers, but that guest experience is partially based on um, you and I looking for, for so long at the way that cruises were operating in Europe and in Asia and thinking, okay, if we can get that type of operation here, it's going to be a restrictive cruise experience, but we'll start sooner. And it turns out we largely, we really didn't have that. We kind of did. Uh, we kind of do with the simulated voyage sailings, but, but even that, you know, just you end up with large vaccinated populations. And so right. things are a little, little less restrictive. Um, and, and that's what, uh, that's what informed that, you know, you and I did a, a lot of guessing as to how all of this was, uh, was going to go down. And I think in terms of that CDC guidance, something that where we clearly guessed wrong, I remember you and I, I think we were talking on the phone or I don't know, we're very old. Maybe it was like a semaphore or something, having a conversation and saying, you know, I, I got to think that on the back end of things, the CDC and some of the cruise line executives are working on things. It turns out that really wasn't happening. <laughs> the the uh, the phone was off the hook. Um, <laughs> and then what we saw and what caused this this rapid increase in in progress was finally there was a dialogue. Once there was a dialogue, it became very clear. Not because we got closer to sailing, but because we saw, oh, look, they revised the, the CISO, the, the conditional sale order. And then like people said, oh, well, it should really be like this. Doesn't this make more sense? And then two days later, oh, they revised it again. And then a day later, they revised it again. And then three days later, they revised it again. It's like, okay, <laughs> this is what it's like when people are talking. Now I understand. Right. Um, and that's, you know, in the end, that's what made the difference was that, that communication, not to say that, you know, vaccine rates and, you know, better understanding of things, of course, all that made a difference. But, but in terms of the, the boots on the ground progress, when we saw that um, the cadence of those CISO updates increase, it was clear people were talking and there was, uh, there was good intent on both sides to move forward. So let me ask you this uh, as our final question here, Billy, uh, what do you think 
surprised you the most? You went on three sailings so far. What has surprised you the most about being back on a cruise compared to uh, your expectations? Um, how individuals, including myself, adapted to the circumstance because we've all had um, rather different lives for the last 15, 16 months, some more than others, right? If you, if you work in um, the service industry or if you're a teacher, depending on if you were remote or not, um, you know, you were still showing up to, to work. You were still going to an office, to a mall, whatever the case may be. For many of us though, you and I included, that was not the case. Um, by nature of our jobs and other circumstances, we our lives were real different there <laughs> for a while. And I thought that it was going to be more awkward, more difficult just mentally getting onto a ship where, hey, you don't have to wear a mask. You don't need to distance. Like, you know, pretty much everyone here is vaccinated. We're all good. In addition to, by the way, I don't want to fail to mention all of the other things the cruise lines have done in terms of uh, air filtration and, um, and continued surface disinfection and, and things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that going into that, it was going to be hard to get used to it. Um, it was going to be hard to go back to normal mentally, not even apprehension, just change of habit. And, and it wasn't, not for me. Um, and, and I think not for most people, there, there are some exceptions. I stepped on the ship and it was a little bit awkward the first, I don't know, hour walking around. There are other people. No one's wearing masks. People are like hanging out, clinking glasses, like everything's good. Um, but I don't know. Very shortly thereafter, I I kind of forgot all about things. Um, not saying that this is like the best idea, but I think it was the first night of, uh, of our first cruise back. June 5th, the very first Caribbean cruise back, the first night, I ended up splitting a shot with someone guy that I didn't know before the cruise. <laughs> <laughs> um, now, again, most people, I think, stepped into that pretty easily, much more easily than I thought. Not everyone. And that's perfectly OK. Right. There were some people that you could tell they were they were definitely keeping their distance from others. Uh, they, they maybe continued to wear masks, whether it was just that first day, that first couple of days, well, the entire cruise, not many, but some. Uh, but that's what surprised me, not what the cruise line did, not um, anything with the CISO um, or any of that. It was myself and the way that we behave. That's what surprised me. Yep. And, and, and you know, that kind of reminds me of the this notion that I also had as well, that it, it feels a lot more surprised me the most is just how how similar the experience is today to what it was, what I remembered it. I really expected it to be this kind of like you mentioned the, the diving suit and kind of this like, you know, almost this like, you know, check in, check out. And like, I, I don't even know some, some sort of like a, you know, some sort of an experience that would have just been fundamentally different in terms of the day-to-day -day stuff, but it really isn't. It's actually more similar than dissimilar. And that struck me the most about, especially being on Adventure of the Seas and even on Freedom where I had to wear a mask um, when I was on indoors um, in certain situations you know, it just still felt like a cruise. It wasn't like this floating punishment. It didn't feel like it was this ultra different uh, experience that I was just like, you know, this is way different than what I, it was more similar than dissimilar. And, and that was a really positive takeaway for me because that's something that unfortunately does not get conveyed very well over photos or videos on the internet. People see yep. photos 
and they're like, oh, that snapshot is must be what it's like. And I often tell people it's kind of like if you've ever been through a hurricane, um, if you've you know gone through that, the news will always focus. They'll find the most damaging part of the where the storm done the most damage, highlight that. And then my mom calls me. It's like, are you okay? I just saw the damage and the storm. I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. There's nothing, nothing, nothing happened. Yeah. That was over there. Meanwhile, you're 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 on your patio having a beer, <laughs> right? Exactly. It's it's that microcosm isn't necessarily indicative of the overall experience. And 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 that's really what I felt the same way about cruising. So it sounds like we're kind of like you know t- talking about a, a very similar um, uh, uh, conclusion, if you will. Yeah, and I'll tell you, it's actually, I'm really glad to hear you say that as well, since you were on Freedom where masks were required. Um, and, you know, I'm thinking in August uh, next month, maybe doing, um, I don't know, maybe an MSC sailing or so- something different where masks may be required. I'm like, oh, is that going to be, is that going to feel restrictive? But it sounds like, yeah, obviously it's different, but still you're on a cruise having a good time. Not, not, not so serious. Right. Um uh, and it it has been tricky to relay, not just in pictures and and video. You mentioned that's absolutely true because you can't relay feeling in that same way unless you're a much better photographer and videographer than either either of us are. Um, <laughs> but um, even even writing it and telling people about it, um, I've got I, I've become frustrated with myself several times on message boards. Not frustrated with people asking, with myself. Because people say, "Oh, what about this? Can you uh, do you need uh, a, a reservation to do X, Y, Z, or is is the spa open?" And I'm just like, "Yes, it's like a normal cruise." <laughs> <laughs> and you, uh, absent of like a checklist that just says everything is pretty much normal, um, it, it's it's difficult to convey. And I actually wrote an article over on cruisehabit.com where I said uh, the first cruise from the U.S. doesn't have restrictions; it has planning. And yeah, a big part of that planning is vaccines, planning on the part of the government and individuals and, you know, but also cruise lines with other uh, uh, things that they have in place that are, are important. Mm-hmm. And I think that's the, the, the easiest way I've had of relaying that is telling people that this is all, this is more, much more about the things that were done before your cruise than what's going to be done on your cruise. On your cruise, yeah. you're going to be on a cruise. You're going to have a good time. Depending on the cruise, depending on the ship, there may be a couple little things that are different, but it's going to be a cruise. So much more similar to a uh, pre-pandemic cruise than, than you can imagine. All right, friends, I've answered some listener emails. These are the emails that you have sent me that I'm going to be answering right now all about Royal Caribbean. If you want to send me your emails, you can always do so by sending it to matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. Matt at royalcaribbeanblog.com. First email this week comes to us from Kurt from Maryland. He says, hey, Matt, I've never considered an ultimate dining package, but I have a special cruise setup on Oasis of the Seas with all the options on board, so I thought it might be fun. I enjoy the main dining room experience, but with all the restaurants on board, I'm really considering it. So what is included? Is it lunch and dinner? What restaurants are included with the ultimate dining package? I'm at below diamond level, so I don't have any of the perks associated with those upper tiers. Thanks for all your content. And uh, Kurt, basically the ultimate dining package essentially includes every specialty restaurant on board in one form or another. There are a couple of exceptions. Uh, The chef's table is not included and room service is not included. But if you're gonna be going to Johnny Rockets, you you, you, you go there, it's no problem at all. Your, Your cover charge is paid for, so you'll have a zero charge when you dine there. 
Uh, it does work for uh, lunch and dinner, assuming the restaurant is open for lunch. Not all restaurants are open for lunch, mostly on sea days, but occasionally go. Anyway, yes, it's open for lunch and dinner. And you can go to places like Playmakers or to Izumi Sushi, which have an a la carte charge instead of a cover charge. And in those places, you get a stipend. So uh, last I checked, I believe it's $35 per person. And that means you have that much money to spend per person on the menu items there. And if you were to exceed that, Kurt, if you were to spend, you know, $100, then obviously you'd just pay the difference, essentially. Now, Kurt also wanted to know, would we be able to do lunch and dinner and then an evening snack in lounges like Playmakers, Vintages, or quick service restaurants like Portside Barbecue or Johnny Rockets? Is there a limit for the number of visits in the day? There isn't really that I've noticed. Uh, you know, for the, the word unlimited is what they truly try to uh, instill. And so, yes, I mean, really what you'd have to do, though, is like individual visits, right? You can't go there and... Um, you know, the stipend is really what you're looking at there, but certainly if you were to go to, you know, Johnny Rockets for lunch and then a couple hours later go to Playmakers, I have not heard of any issues with that. So hopefully that answers your question there, Kurt. Thanks for the email. Next up is an email from Bill Cardi. Right, hey Matt, my name is Bill Cardi from New Jersey. I started following you about two years ago when my wife and I planned our first ever cruise on Allure in July 2019. It was an amazing vacation. We both fell in love with cruising right away. We found out that my wife was pregnant a few weeks before the cruise, so we had to make a few changes to some of our plans for the trip, but still had an amazing time. We've yet to go on another cruise since we had to adjust being to new parents, and now we're expecting another. Baby number two is actually scheduled for the same day we left for that cruise two years ago. Ever since that cruise, I've been watching your weekly videos on Facebook Live and following all your posts. And just recently, going back and listening to all your past podcasts. I've learned so much from listening to you and would like to thank you. I've come up with a few questions that I haven't heard yet. Eventually, we'd like to bring our kids with us on and I'm not sure what age would be a good time to start. Originally, my wife and I thought maybe when they get to 10 years old so they could actually enjoy the trip. But after listening to some of your stories, I'm thinking maybe younger than that. I was worried that having young children that I always have to pay attention to what they would do in order to make it too stressful in the end, but also thought about getting to see them having fun and enjoy the vacation excites me. At what age did you begin bringing your kids with you, and do you bring your kids every time you and your wife cruise, or do you occasionally take trips without them, and what tips do you suggest to make my wife have and I have a great time? I imagine that the first time bringing the kids will definitely be a learning experience. We're currently booked on June 25th, 2022, on Symphony of the Seas out of Miami, and that trip will just be my wife and I. But in taking your advice, I'm trying to book my cruises way in advance, so as soon as summer 2023 announced itineraries are released, I plan on booking our next trip. Not sure if I should plan on booking just my wife and I, or should we bring our kiddos with us, who would be three and two years old at that point. Any tips or advice would be greatly appreciated. Once again, thanks for all you do. Bill, great email, and I'm glad you sent this in. You know, first and foremost, congratulations on the upcoming birth of your second child. That's amazing. Uh, number two, I advocate bringing your kids on board as early as you can. I think waiting for them to be able to enjoy it is, and I hope you don't take offense to this, Bill, it's silly. It's like saying that basically you should sit at home with your kids until they're 10 years old, as an example, the age you just threw out there, you know, because they can't possibly enjoy anything. That's not true. You know that, right? You take them to the park. You take them to, uh, you know, um, I don't know, to the, <laughs> to the maybe local theme parks. You do trips, right? You still take them and do things with them. Why? Because it's fun. Because it's, it's rewarding. And it's part of establishing a good and healthy experience for them. You want to surround your children with positive experiences in your life, right? That's not only in your house, but also when you go places. And whether that's daycations, whether that's, you know, maybe trips to the beach, or in this case, going on a cruise. So I don't think 
I don't think you should avoid taking them on a cruise because you're worried they're not going to enjoy it or get much out of it. It doesn't matter if they remember every single thing you do on board. I don't remember every single thing I do on board. That's not the point. The point is that you're having family vacations together, family moments together, and you're shaping their lives in that, you know, you're, again, providing those positive experiences, which cruises do. Uh, my kids have been going on cruises since they were both about six months old each. And it's a great decision because, you know, when they're really that young, you might be saying, well, what are, they, what are the kids going to get out of it? Well, first of all, we're getting something out of it as the parents because we're, we're sharing our passion, our love of cruising with them. Number two, they get to, you know, obviously explore the world. And there's a lot of tangential things that you can't necessarily list on an Excel spreadsheet. Here's all the reasons why my kids are having a better experience. It's not that. Doesn't, you can't break this down into a, a bullet point, but it's just about having a good time together. And I got to tell you, Bill, also as new, you're probably going through this all there with your first child, and it's definitely true with you, you get number two, and that is you kind of want to break every now and then, right? So yeah, we mostly bring our kids with us on board, and when we do so, when they were six months old or, or even young, or a little bit older than that, you know, we would go uh, to, on ships that have the nursery on board because that provided us not only an opportunity for us to cruise together, but also a little bit of a break because, you know, my kids at that age, they want to watch TV, they want to play with other kids, they want to just play in general, and the nursery afforded that. And I really recommend going on a cruise ship that has a nursery so that way, you know, in the evenings especially, you can drop the kids off in the nursery, they can have a nice time, they can also go to sleep on a regular schedule, and you and your wife can enjoy some time, you know, in the dining room, or an especially restaurant, seeing a show, and it allows you both to, you know, have a cruise for yourself, but still have obviously your kids with you during the daytime. And uh, in general, yes, occasionally we will do a cruise. You know, my wife just me and my wife without the kids. That's primarily more based on the availability of babysitters. You know, if like one of our parents are able to come watch the children, then we might do that. Sometimes it really depends. I mean, obviously, if there's a cruise over a built-in holiday from school we'll pretty much take the kids with us, right? If it's summer vacation, it's generally difficult to say, you know, we're gonna leave the kids at home. Not always the case, but you know, we. I think more when I'm booking, I just automatically assume they're there. But if there's a cruise over the fall or you know during the school year, then it's a different consideration altogether. So um, I hope, Bill, that this helps a little bit, but yeah, don't, don't sit back on that. Don't wait for your kids to get older. I think you take advantage of it as soon as you can. It's a great way to uh, not only share your love of cruising, but also just have fun family vacations. Next, uh, we have an email from uh, John Alvarez. Hi, Matt, looking for a suggestion. I'm booked on Harmony in June 2022 out of Orlando. I'd like to visit NASA, the NASA, not NASA, NASA, this day before the cruise. We, what is a good area hotel recommendation convenient to NASA and the cruise terminal? Great question. There's a lot of great hotels. Basically, you're looking for a hotel in Cocoa Beach slash Merritt Island. That is the area basically just south of the cruise port and also just south of the Kennedy Space Center. Uh, there's a ton of hotels that are there on that strip. You could stay in Orlando as well to save a little bit of money and have a little more options, but then you're having about an hour trek over to the coast and then back, which I would say if you're going to spend the day in NASA, is probably not a great idea. Um, but there's a number of great hotels in the Cocoa Beach areas, which you're really looking for, John. And um, I would say that that's kind of the area you want to focus in on because uh, there, you'll, you'll find number one options and number two, the proximity 
you're probably talking, I mean, to the cruise port, it's probably about a five or 10 minute ride at the most and really traffic will dictate more than anything. And NASA's another, I think maybe 10 minutes or so. And the Kennedy Space Center is fantastic. If you, if it, someone has not done that yet, I, I avoid, not I avoid it. I just never got around to doing it for quite a while. And then we finally did a cruise out of New York that visited the Kennedy Space Center because we were, we had a day stop in Port Canaveral. And I'm really glad we went there because it was really, really a lot of fun. And our last email this week comes to us from David from Colorado. Hi, Matt. My sister first turned me on to your podcast uh, prior to our 2016 Royal Caribbean cruise to Alaska, and I was hooked. I love hearing great tips from you and your listeners, and it's always the first place I go to to go uh, get truth on what's happening with Royal Caribbean. While the pandemic was difficult, we anticipated better days ahead, and last November booked a seven-night October sailing on a lure of the seas that leaves Port Canaveral with stops St. Martin, St. Thomas, and Coco Key. Having listened to you for many years, it's been drilled into my head and should not fly the same day of the cruise, so we'll be arriving a couple days in advance staying in Orlando. What is the recommended way to get from Orlando to Port Canaveral and then back again after the cruise is over? David thinks the email. Definitely, I would say either taxis or Lyft and Uber is what I would do. David, I would do Lyft or Uber. They're going to be probably no worse cost-wise than a taxi, better vehicle than a taxi, and it moves on your schedule. It's easy to... I would definitely do that. I think that's number one. The other option a lot of people go for is to rent a car. You'd only want to rent a car, I think, if you're planning on doing something other than going directly to your hotel. Uh, you know, if you were you know, flying in a day or two ahead of time, which you are, and you wanted to do a little bit of exploring, you want to go to Kennedy Space Center, you want to go to the supermarket, and, you know, renting a car is not a terrible idea. But I think you can also just make the argument it's simpler and easier just to lift an Uber around than it is, unless you're really doing some real exploring, I would say. But... I think generally speaking, when you're talking about getting from Orlando to Port Canaveral, Lyft is the way to go. I, I, it's what I would do. And it's what I do in other ports as well. When I'm visiting, you know, maybe we're cruising out of New York or, or Galveston, I just, Lyft is a whole lot easier. Uh, David also writes, we're excited for Coco Key and the purchase, the entrance to the Coco Beach Club, but do you have any recommendations for St. Martin and St. Thomas? For St. Martin, I would say go to Grand Case Beach. It's a great recommendation over there. It's a beautiful beach. There's some dining as well right by the beach. It's, a, it's on the French side. I would say just hop in a taxi and go over there. There's plenty of taxis to bring you back as well. St. Thomas, Megan's Bay. You got to do Megan's Bay if you've never been to St. Thomas before. It's the quintessential beach experience. And David says, finally, this is the first time we'll be on an Oasis-class ship and have heard you can't do it all in one cruise. That is true. What would be your top don't miss things on the ship? Thanks again for your advice and continuing the podcast during the pandemic. When things were depressing, I would turn on the podcast as always a ray of sunshine during difficult times. Thank you, David. I appreciate it. It's very kind of you to say. So you're absolutely right. You can't do it all in one cruise. I mean, you can't even do it all in two or three cruises. But uh, I would say the top things, number one, any of the shows, that's a must-see. The shows in the, in the Aqua Theater, in the main theater. So if you're talking about... If you're talking about Aqua 80s, if you're talking about the um, uh, Greece, or no, you're on Oasis of the Seas. You're talking about Cats. Uh, if you're talking about the ice skating shows, uh, those are the three venues you want to focus in on. When there's something happening in either of these three venues, the Royal Theater, Studio B, the ice skating area, and the Aqua Theater, you want to see all of those. And then number two, you want to work in a little bit of specialty dining, David. I think that's important as well. I don't know that you have to go crazy and book a, you know, an ultimate dining package, but if you want to do two or three, I think that's not a bad idea as well. And then, of course, really all the cool activities on the pool deck. You want to try to do as many as you can. Don't feel like you have to do every single one, but certainly the water slides, the zip line, those are really cool. Go for a ride on the carousel down on the boardwalk. Uh, go to have a drink on the rising tide bar. 
that's, it doesn't sound like a lot, but that's actually plenty because you're going to find there's a lot of other things competing for your time on board, David. So I hope uh, this helps a little bit. Thank you for uh, the email. Thank you to everybody for checking out this episode of the Royal Caribbean Blog Podcast. If you want to send me your email, you can do so by sending it to matt, M-A-T-T, at royalcaribbeanblog.com, matt, at royalcaribbeanblog.com. So until next time, I'm Matt, and we'll talk again real soon.